Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be fornication and idolatry. Let's begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in the ninth verse says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ, and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In this passage, we find the term fornication mentioned four times. We're all familiar with what it is, and we know it's wrong, and that it's outside of the will of God. But we need to take a closer look, because there's more to it than what meets the eye on the surface. We need to look at why exactly it's wrong, and why exactly it's outside of the will of God. There are three different words used for fornication in the Greek. Each occurrence of the word in this chapter is a different word in the Greek. We need to look at each one individually. Verse 9 told us, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. The word for fornicator in Greek in this verse means a fornicator, a man who prostitutes himself, anyone who engages in sexual immorality. This reinforces what it means, while the other two words offer us deeper insight into its true meaning. Verse 18 says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. The first mention here in the Greek means fornication, whoredom, idolatry. 
The concordance goes on further to say that it means a selling off, a surrendering of the self and of sexual purity. This word was a noun, explaining the concept in more detail. The second mention of fornication in this verse is a verb. In the Greek, it means to commit fornication, to practice idolatry. The concordance goes further to say it means to be unfaithful to Christ while posing as his true follower. Fayer's Greek lexicon says that it means to prostitute one's body to the lusts of another, to give oneself to what is unlawful, to be given to idolatry, and to the worshiping of idols, to permit oneself to be drawn away by another into idolatry. This has to do with an action. Even when we see the term practicing idolatry, it shows that it's not just referring to something done once. It's also referring to something that is continual. From these definitions, there's a few elements that stand out that we need to analyze because this sin, like any other that is done in the natural, also has spiritual effects and implications. The first element that we need to look at is the selling off of the self. This carries with it a lot of significance for us as Christians. Before we were born again, we were fully controlled by our fallen human nature. Sin owned us. Romans chapter 7 verses 14 through 15 tell us, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Paul, like all of us, before we met Christ, was sold under sin. This means that sin controlled his life. It owned him, and he belonged to sin. This is the default setting of mankind. We're all born that way. Paul lived under the bondage of sin until things changed and he met Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 to 20 told us, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Christ paid a price for us. He bought us with his life which means that we were sold to him. Now he rightfully owns us, having paid in full for us, and we belong to him. This is our new reality as Christians. Since we've been born again, instead of being sold under sin, we've now been sold to Christ. This has its own implications. Since this is the case, we have no right to sell off ourselves to someone else because we don't own ourselves. This is the first element of what makes fornication so dangerous. The second element that we need to look at is surrendering. As we talked about many times before, if all of Christianity could be boiled down to one word, it would be surrender. We are called, as the people of God, to surrender all to the Lord and to His will. Matthew 16 and 24 tells us, Then said Jesus unto His disciples, If any man will come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. James 4 and 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Both these verses stress the importance of surrendering to God. Christ surrendered himself and gave all of himself for us. And in the same way, we are to surrender all of our life to him and give all that we are to him. When we surrender... We are freely and willingly giving God full control of our lives, asking Him to come and dwell within our spirit, the most intimate part of our being. Fornication is a tool of the enemy, by which he attempts to counterfeit this relationship between us and God. In fornication, 
We are surrendering to someone else. We surrender ourselves because we partake with that person in the most intimate action that we are capable of as human beings. We're surrendering to someone other than God, and we're permitting the deepest level of intimacy to exist between ourselves and someone other than God, outside of the covenant of marriage, which is what makes it so dangerous. We should always surrender to God and to His will. In the third definition that we looked at earlier, it said to prostitute one's body to the lust of another. It also said to give oneself to what is unlawful. These are other aspects of surrender and reveal to us the motive behind it. When we surrender to someone by giving of ourselves to that person, it is something that we chose to do. Giving is done willingly, otherwise it's not truly giving. And this makes a difference because this means that fornication isn't forced. It's willingly done. We willingly choose to deviate from God's will when we choose to go down that road. This is the motive behind the action. It's an impure motive, leading to a counterfeit surrender. The other part of the definition takes this even further. It's said to the lust of another. This goes beyond a person acting on their own lust. This is a person acting on the lusts and the desires of another person. Similarly, this goes beyond someone deviating from God's will. This is when a person not only deviates from God's will, but then bends their own will in order to conform it to someone else's will, fulfilling their lusts and their desires. This is the opposite of what we're called to do as Christians. Romans 12 and 2 tells us, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're not meant to conform to others. We're meant to conform to God and to Him alone. Doing so means that our priorities are skewed and that our perspective is wrong because it shows that we place more importance on that other person than we do on God. And it shows we care more about doing the other person's will than about doing God's will. The fourth element that we need to look at are the phrases to be given to idolatry, the worshiping of idols, and to permit oneself to be drawn away by another into idolatry. Fornication is not only a natural sin with spiritual implications. There is also a spiritual fornication, which is idolatry. There is a direct correlation between fornication and idolatry. One is the spiritual parallel of the natural one and vice versa, their counterparts. We see again the importance of motive. This is idolatry that is entered into willingly showing a willingness and a desire to deviate from God and from His will. The second part goes even further. It shows that people allow themselves to be drawn by someone else into idolatry. The enemy uses this to draw people away from God. It all starts with a person believing the lie of the enemy. The devil's playbook never changes. He always lies with the intention to deceive. Then once a person has been successfully deceived, he leads them astray away from God and away from His will. This reveals that the person they're interacting with has the wrong or even malicious intent, because not only were they content in their own deception, they wanted another to share in their deception. It's like the saying, misery loves company. The same is true of deception, and it's through this process that deception spreads. The only way deception stops is when someone stands up for the truth of God's word and refuses to give in to the lies of the enemy. Since deception always begins with a lie, we need to operate in wisdom and discernment so we'll know when we're being lied to so we can avoid the trap of idolatry. 
Idolatry is when we worship and serve someone or something other than God. It's when we attach ourselves and identify ourselves with a different natural or spiritual entity. It's when we ignore the relationship that we have with God by attempting to share that same sense of spiritual intimacy with something other than God. It's the spiritual version of fornication. We find throughout Scripture the connection between these two. Let's go to Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 2, beginning in the 12th verse, it says, And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he, which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days, where Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. And unto the angel of the church at Phiatria write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. In this chapter, we see this connection made twice. Verse 14 told us, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. We see clearly both connected here, but we also get insight into why they go together. This verse tells us that they were a stumbling block to the Israelites. The word stumbling block in Greek means a stick for bait of a trap, a snare, an offense, a cause for error. The concordance goes on to say it means the trigger of a trap, the mechanism closing a trap down on the unsuspecting victim, an offense, putting a negative cause and effect relationship into motion. It stresses the method and means of entrapment, how someone is caught by their own devices, like their personal bias or carnal thinking. The devil wants to trap people. He wants them to experience bad consequences in their lives. And worst of all, he wants people to ensnare themselves. Once the devil can get a man to ensnare himself by indulging in fornication, it makes it that much easier for the devil to lead him into idolatry, because one leads to the other. It lays a foundation. If a man is unfaithful to God and his word in the natural, he will also be unfaithful in the spiritual. It's a dangerous slippery slope. The devil uses both of these to draw people from God in both the natural and the spiritual realms. Verses 20 to 21 told us, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, 
and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. We find here another reason why the enemy uses both of these. It says to seduce. Like we looked at earlier, the devil seeks to seduce and deceive. But there's more to the story than just this. In the NSAB version, it says, And she teaches and leads my bondservants astray. The word in Greek for lead and the word astray are the same word. It means to cause to wander, to lead astray, to deceive. The concordance says that it means to go astray, to get off course, to deviate from the correct path, to roam into error. This is exactly what the enemy wants. He wants people to roam and to wander. He wants people to wander in the natural through promiscuity, and he wants people to wander in the spiritual through doubt and unbelief. Because this gets a person right where he wants them. When a person is roaming, they're making provision for the flesh, opening themselves up to being tempted to partake in these things. And the devil seeing that open door acts on it and attacks that person. We also need to note that both Balaam and Jezebel were teaching the Israelites to fornicate and to go into idolatry. And this shows that not only did they tolerate these things, but that they openly embraced them and they promoted them. They were not only destroying their own lives, they were actively trying to destroy the lives of others too, which made it that much worse. We also need to look at the term bondservant. In the Greek, it means a slave, one who gives himself up wholly to another's will, someone who belongs to another, a bond slave without any ownership rights of their own. It is used with the highest dignity in the New Testament of believers who willingly live under Christ's authority as his devoted followers. This brings us back to where we started. Since Christ owns us and we belong to him, we don't have the right to fornicate or to idolize. These things are a deviation from his will. As his children and as his servants, we don't have a right to step outside of his will because we no longer belong to ourselves. And this leads us to the last element that we need to look at today. The last element is being unfaithful to Christ while posing as his true follower. This is the worst of the elements because it's disingenuous. It's really hypocrisy, acting one way in public while acting another way in private. When believers go down this path, many try to justify it, downplaying the severity of it. But there are still consequences for their unfaithfulness to God. And the effects of it, if left unchecked, can destroy a man. The Israelites made this same mistake countless times, outwardly professing to serve the Lord while worshiping idols, and we see the effects that it had on their nation and their culture. It was their hypocrisy and their unfaithfulness that destroyed them, and it was no different during the time that Jesus lived. Let's go to John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, beginning in the 38th verse, it says, I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus saith unto them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. 
When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. The Pharisees were outwardly professing to be followers of God, but inwardly they were idolaters, following and doing the works of the enemy. They said in verse 41, We be not born of fornication, but they didn't acknowledge their idolatry, the spiritual fornication in their hearts. Verse 44 says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father will ye do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. We see that they were doing all that we study today. They sold themselves to the devil, they surrendered to him, and they willingly gave themselves over to the will and the lusts and the desires of the enemy. They believed his lies, and they were deceived and led astray. They gave into idolatry and taught the people under their charge to do the same. They did all this while openly proclaiming to be faithful followers of the Lord, when really they were nothing more than unfaithful and unprofitable servants. And it's no different today. Many believers fall into the same trap. The real problem with these different things is that they attempt to reverse and undo all that occurred when we were born again by getting us to place our allegiance and our faith in someone else. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 4 to 6 tell us, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Today this isn't our story. We haven't fallen into this trap. That's why we're listening to this program today. But many have. And we need to know how to help them. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22 tells us, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18 said, Flee fornication. One of the meanings of flee is escape. People who have fallen for the lies of the enemy need to flee and they need to escape. The way to do this is the same way that God told Balaam and Jezebel. They need to repent. They need to have a change of mind and turn from their wicked ways. When they do, God will forgive them and he will give them grace so that they can start over. For those of us who haven't fallen into this trap, we need to be vigilant in guarding our hearts and our minds from the lies of the enemy. We do this by operating in discernment and standing on the truth of God's word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Let's make the choice today to follow the will of God and continue to faithfully serve the Lord. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your word. And Lord, we ask for wisdom and discernment so that we can see the lies of the enemy for what they truly are, so that we won't fall for his deceptions, and we won't fall prey to the traps that he tries to set for us. Lord, we thank you that you have chosen us. We thank you that you paid a high price for us and that you gave your life on Calvary on our behalf. Lord, we thank you that you poured out of yourself and gave all that you are so that we might be set free. And Lord, today we desire to do the same. Lord, we surrender all that we are to you and we ask that you mold us into who you want us to be. And Lord, we ask that you use us as your vessels to execute your will and your purposes for our lives. And Lord, today we willingly give all of our lives to you. And we thank you that you are using us for the great things that you have set apart 
for your people. Lord, we thank you that we will not fall into the trap of fornication, that we won't fall into the trap of idolatry, and we bind every demon in hell that will try to make us go down this path. It will not be successful, but your will will be successful. Your kingdom and your word will prevail as it always does and always will. And we thank you that you are using us right now to set others free as well, to lead them to you and to show them their need to be set free. And we thank you, Lord, for the relationship that we have with you, not only as our God, but also as our Father and as our friend. And Lord, we give you all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to flee fornication and idolatry and of Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.